right, with leading screenwriter Carla S. Bryant from the uh, Thriller Suspense Film Festival, her script is not my secret to tell. Thematically, it's really about, this film is really about secrets. We all have them, but then sometimes some are bigger than the others, but then they kind of like lead to more lies, to more secrets, and it's almost like a bad domino effect, I guess, right? That's correct. So that's a pretty good idea. That's a pretty good uh, seed to a, to a good thriller suspense script. Right. I think, well, I think it's on some level people can identify, as you said, to yeah. having secrets, to avoiding shame. Um, in the script, what happens, it's a middle-aged couple who are out for an evening out and um, they had something happen when they were teenagers. A tragedy happened that then they, in panic, covered up. Mm-hmm. Someone observed it. And then that person used it to take advantage of the female and use that as blackmail. And the blackmailing just kept snowballing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so is this, I have to ask, is this a personal story or? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's personal. Um, no, I've never witnessed a murder. So that <laughs> it's not personal with that. It is personal in terms of that. I, uh, when I was 17, I was sexually assaulted. And it was a very well-respected person in the small community. Um, and, I, and I was blackmailed. So I knew what that feeling felt like. And so I guess for me, that was an emotional core. And that I kept building layers around that. So but you, but the difference, I guess, is that the couple has been, is gets to share the secrets themselves. I know the one, there's a, like, without getting too much away, but there's a yeah. plot where the, the wife kind of keeps a secret too. But generally speaking, the main secret is that is that they get to share, but if it seems within your regard, do you kind of just, did anybody know about it besides yourself? No, no, no. So you've been holding on to that. You were holding on to that for decades or for how? Right, right, right. That's not a good, that must be like, did you like, when's the first time you actually expressed it? Well, here's, here's an interesting thing. It's, you know, you never believe in a repressed memory until you have one. Yeah. And I never, I was always a big skeptic about it. And it wasn't until, golly, it was about uh, four decades, I guess, after that it had happened that the memory came back to me. And I was so startled by it. And fortunately, I had confided in a good friend at the time, hadn't talked to her for a very long time, but I called her. I said, do you ever remember anything about this person? And she repeated back many of the things that I'd been remembering. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of had to work through it because it was it had recently happened because I'd never done any of the processing until that point. And interestingly, I'd actually written the screenplay before that memory had come back. So I think on some subconscious level, it had been. Yeah, there. of course. Yeah, it's, well, always, course. it's always there. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of amazing. That's that's an amazing story in itself. Right. 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 So you know. Right. So, OK, so what is your uh, so when would like so you've been writing it in the blog interviews that you were writing it on and off for four years. Mm-hmm. So. So you're like doing other things, like you said, you did you have some short stories published. Like, what's your what's your like uh, what's your career as a writer? How long have you been writing for? I think I've been writing fiction for a very long time, but I finally got published in uh, I'm trying to think now. I believe it was 2007 that mm-hmm. a short story got published in a literary quarterly. And um, well, I had a son who had some learning disorders, so I homeschooled him from kindergarten through my junior or through his junior year of high school. Okay. And so I think that was like so much of my focus sure. that I couldn't really pursue writing. And then suddenly I did. Um, and then a friend had talked, I had a blog and she really enjoyed my writing, a friend in New York City, and she talked me into trying screenplay writing. 
And I said, well, I've never even seen what a script looks like. So, you know, of course, it was at that Googling, how do you format two people talking at once, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and then I entered in the New York City Midnight Challenge initially, and I did pretty well in it. And then I uh, just kept pursuing that more and more. I took an intensive course through screenwriting you call their pro series. And uh, I think that helped a lot. And then I, well, I'll tell you what actually what happened is I did have some short films produced. And then because of COVID production just stopped. And I realized, you know, some films I've been in have been submitted to film festivals. And suddenly it just occurred to me that I could actually submit scripts to a film festival. Yeah. It didn't have to be produced yet. And so I just started doing that last fall. And how's it been going so far? It's so it's been, been last... It's been going well. I've been surprised at how well it's been going. That's amazing. So then, so you kind of like open this portal, I guess, through Film Freeway. It, yes, exactly. And you've been explaining the festivals, getting feedback, including ours. And then we, yes. we, did, we did our uh, best scene of your script as well. So, yeah. so your feedback like, was amazing, by the way. Oh, thank your you. feedback was so amazing. In terms I, should, I thank you for the person who did it. All <laughs> right. But the, in terms of the detail that they went into and the understanding and insight they had, I was so impressed. I said, you know, actually, I should just send this. If someone wants a synopsis of it because I don't know if I could write it as well. And one thing I quickly discovered with Film Freeways, you know, you've got 3,000 film festivals out there. Mm -hmm. And many of them are just what I would consider laurel factories. You send something and you never hear anything back. They send you a laurel to print out, that's it. Um, and so I really try to do my due diligence. And Wild Sound has such a great reputation, you know? And as I said, this pro project was so kind of private to me. So I really almost didn't send it anywhere, but I felt confident sending it to, to your festival. Oh, great. Yeah, so the, that, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, so like, I, like but at the same time, it's, you don't want to leave it in the on your computer you want to like right. put it out there and, and get people to get reactions i guess right that's right that's right and to get an idea of you know where i'm i am this huge playing field yeah know? exactly and you never know right it's like one of those no. kind of random kind of things right so right it's so subjective so yeah and also too like you never know where the script who's who's going to read the script and like everything is like and i guess you're you're, you're, you're probably obviously ideally in the, in the ideal world you love someone to make this film right right of course of yeah. course yeah. Or, or even worse, I guess the motivation is to get to get your name out there, get some get some uh, awards and kind of like get some good reputation, I guess, right? Exactly. Well, I think it's about credibility yeah. because you, you've got I probably as many people say they're screenwriters as say they're novelists. And it's kind of like, well, I bet you there's more screenwriters than novelists, but yeah, probably. Yeah. And, and you're kind of OK, but where like are you on that? I mean, I would imagine a producer, it, it lets them see, OK, she's got something, yeah. you know, she's been recognizing these things so you're you said you were homeschooling your son so you're i did from kindergarten to junior did, did he go to school in senior year i'm just curious he did so that we moved to wisconsin his senior year and he said you know i think i should probably just go to traditional schools here i'm like thank you for suggesting it you know that's great because he thought you know they'll be preparing me for college and all that and yeah. and i was so proud he entered uh, university of milwaukee honors college and he actually got a degree in film I know this is kind of a general question, but do you, because uh, I have like two young kids and it's because of COVID has opened the eyes of like what yes. teachers actually do. And it isn't yeah. that great, <laughs> objectively speaking. So what is your, what is your impression of homeschooling? You know what? It runs the gamut. It depends on the parent. Sure. I've seen some parents who just, here's your workbook. 
you know, they leave it at that yeah. and, uh, and kind of grade the things. And we did a very hands-on approach with things. Um, and I started with the, like the classical, like we started even in kindergarten, learning something about ancient Rome and ancient Greece. And I'd have in the backyard stomping grapes and uh, kind of creating these square buildings and using stucco paint on them just mm -hmm. to get a feel for the time and place of those things. And um, I enjoy, I loved how creative I was allowed to be with it. Um, and I was also challenged because, as I said, he had um, a lot of language issues. So I had to think of ways that were very visual to teach him. Gotcha. And, and it's interesting because when it comes to film, I've always been more about words and he's always been more visual. And yeah. he's his strength is editing because he's got that visual detail down. So it's almost like, I guess you did it because you, you were worried he was going to get lost in the shuffle, like in, in normal. Like, yes. School? Yes. Because because at the, he was in a private school and the only thing they were going to do is he went to private school for preschool. They were going to have him repeat preschool. And I said, well, what are you going to do differently? And they said nothing. And I said, well, that to me seems like a waste of a year then. Yeah. That's not okay. And then the public schools, because um, my son had a very high IQ, he just had these language challenges. And he was going to be, you know, with kids who were behavioral problems, mm. with all, obviously, they're not going gotcha. to yeah. one class for one issue. So he was going to be the in the in that in that classroom that kind of had, like you said, 20 kids, 20 different issues. Like right. right, right, exactly. So I never thought of homeschooling, but it was like, you stand up to the plate, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's such an interesting uh, thing that you did. And it's like, it's very noble for oh. you. Because like you said, you sacrificed some of your writing and. Right. But now he said he's graduated from film school. Maybe he can yes. make do a film. That's right. That's right. <laughs> or at least do a short of it, I guess. Right. I guess. Right. He, yeah. Right. He has, he has helped. We actually did a Madison 48 hour last year that he. How did that go? Good. Good. I'm actually going down to Madison uh, Monday night for a screening of what I did this year. Oh, that's amazing. So you, so you, you've, I know he's your son and he probably like, you know, oh, mom, you know what I mean? Like, but basically, but that's pretty cool that you guys can collaborate on something one day. Right. We can collaborate when it comes to film. It's really funny because it's not mom and son. It's like, we're just collaborators. Oh, good. And I just sent off a feature script that was based on um, someone's life in the family. And I was so lost in the forest with it. And I said to my son, Thomas, I said, look, we need to sit down and would you just help me outline this? Cause I am so lost. And he was brilliant. He just had the clarity. He knew the person I was talking about. And, uh, and that's in the hands of a producer right now. I'm just waiting to hear back about that. Oh, that's and that's amazing. the first feature I've written. So. so you like, so like, so it seems like in the last four years, like you've been, or last five, like since you're, you had like mm -hmm. some time, I guess mm -hmm. you've been able to write more proficiency. Do you have like a pat? Do you have like a, like a, uh, a certain pattern that you have or like a kind of a schedule that you have for writing or do you write when you're when you're spontaneous or do you like I have to write two hours a day do you have like a kind of like a I wish I wish I was a disciplined person I really okay. do because everyone always says get up at five and write for two hours yeah that doesn't work for me but I did start getting up earlier I did start that in December getting up earlier to try to get an hour's worth of writing in before I start my day job which is I, I do content writing for my day job Okay, so you're writing within the writing, I guess. Exactly, exactly. So I try to get my my creative writing done for my work done first, and then I'll do the creative writing for other people. Gotcha. Yeah. For other people. Yeah. So yeah, that. But did you ever get? Do you ever get like run? Do you ever get burned out from that then? Or um, I haven't yet, um, but I I'm real careful about balancing that. Like when I start 
getting to the point where I'm like, man, I can't, I've got to think of something. I'm like, okay, I need to back off a little bit so that that flow of ideas does continue. Gotcha. And this, like, it seems like this one was a tough one because you said you were writing it on and off for four years, like you're going back right. and you're doing rewrites. Right. So it, it, so it must've been like bringing out some, some past uh, issues, I guess, or. Is, right. And yeah. it was, and it's funny because even to this day, one of the big rewrites was I changed completely the occupation of the antagonist in it because I didn't want anyone to recognize who he was. Okay. In real life. So it's so it was a process. So you're still protecting him to this day. Um, you know, it's funny because as much as we want to think things are different, I still feel I'm more protecting myself because I still feel the question is always on the female. You know, so, about like yeah, because you wrote kind of wrote that you're like the, the Me Too movement's been stretched thin. Exactly. You, you don't have full confidence, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Because there's always that kind of thing. You know, well, what's his side though, or what's you know, that always comes out. Yeah, I guess, but I guess, yeah, the, I guess there's been a lot of pro- progress too, right? So I right. guess my only issue with the Me Too movement is that everybody like there's a difference between Harvey Weinstein and somebody like Louis C.K. I guess who like obviously he did bad things, but there's a there's a difference between a rapist and somebody who likes to pull down his pants, right? I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I, and I can tell you, nothing makes me more angry than, um, and, and I will say this, given what I went through. And then if someone says that someone walked by and say, slap them on the bottom, and that was a sexual assault. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not the same thing. No, but it's still assault though, but it's not like, yeah, there's different, there's like, there's like different levels of murder, right? There's right. Levels of assault, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that's what happens. Well, and I meant it if it's like someone you knew who did a play for No, I, I understand. And then, and then, then, the, then the politicians get involved and it becomes a political issue. And then as always, funky, right. And then you've got the two extremes and the yeah. same people are in the middle who no one can hear their voice. A hundred percent. That's one of the problems with, with today's world, right? It's yes. Like, Absolutely. The 10% polarism. on both sides are dominating the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's interesting. It's like, I, I understand what you're saying. It's just that it's, it's kind of, it, it's painful that, that like, even after all this evolution, it's still, that's still that you're like, you still need to feel that you ever, but I, I understand, I understand, I understand exactly. So I guess is the, is, is the creative process must be some sort of therapeutic therapy though. Yes. I would say it definitely was. I would say definitely was. Well, great. This is a great, like I said, it's a great, it's a great script. And uh, I'm so glad that you, that you recognized it, that, that you saw what it was and yeah, it was an honor, a real honor for me. Well, it's an honor for me to talk to you. So let's talk again when we, when you make your next, uh, write your next script and it's awarded at our festival. That would be fantastic. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, Matthew. Flashback to exterior woods evening 1987. You bitch. His hands are heavy on Betsy's shoulders and he shouts in her face. You think you're too good for me? Sharon's too good for me. Linda, all of you. Stop it, you're drunk. Guess what? So are you. Todd suddenly kisses her, frantic, sloppy. Betsy pushes him away. Todd, what are you doing? Whatever I want to do. Betsy stares at him and looks around. They are alone. Todd, 
you don't want to do this. This isn't the way to get girls to like you. You know that, right? Right? Taunt stands back and sways, grabs a tree branch to steady himself. What if I told you that was my first kiss ever? Betsy keeps her eyes on him. Todd, look, I swear, there's no reason you don't have a girlfriend. There's girls I know who would love to go out with you. Todd's weaving. Like who? Names. I want names. Lena. Lena Joseph, for one. Todd laughs and staggers towards Betsy. Lena doesn't know I'm alive. And what's the saying? Take what's in front of you? What? That's not a... Todd grabs her and kisses her hard. Betsy struggles, but can't get away this time. Suddenly, Danny comes through the trees. He takes in what's happening and runs over, trying to pry Todd away. Todd, what the hell are you doing? Get away from Betsy. Todd is forced to look at Danny. He's confused. Danny, what the... Like, I was telling Betsy, I... It's not fair that I don't get to have a girlfriend. Look, get away from Betsy. You're drunk. You don't know what you're doing or saying. Todd suddenly shoves Danny and becomes aggressive. What the... Don't you lecture me, you bastard. Who the hell do you think you are? He swings at Danny's jaw and misses. Danny grabs Todd's wrists. Listen, asshole. Get the hell out of here. Don't you dare ever touch Betsy again. Todd gets loose and charges Danny. They struggle against each other until Danny shoves Todd away. Todd staggers briefly, then falls forward with an audible crack. Get up! Get up, you coward! Get up, asshole! Stop acting! No response. Danny, breathing heavily, looks down. Blood is running from behind Todd's head. His neck is at a strange angle on a sharp rock. Blood drips from his mouth. Todd's are open. He is still and silent. Danny's eyes meet Betsy's. He bends down and feels for a pulse. Nothing. Danny, terror-struck, stares at Betsy. Her eyes scan back and forth. They fix on something. She points at a rowboat. Ominous silence. Danny and Betsy look at each other again. They agree. Danny leans down unsteadily and puts his ear to Todd's motionless chest. Nothing. Danny begins to shake. He struggles to lift Todd's body. His eyes meet Betsy's. She lifts her chin as if to signal, You saved me. Go ahead. I won't tell anyone. Ever. In shadows, Danny carries Todd to the small rowboat tied to a dock. Slowly, and in almost complete silence, he rows his motionless cargo to the middle of the lake. Betsy watches. She cannot turn away. On his balcony, Keller is staring at her through his binoculars. He shifts towards the rowboat, then back to Betsy. Fade to present. <laughs>